podcast, we have a guest, um, Martin MacArthur. He's pretty well known within the sales community. He's a good friend of mine and he's always been really supportive. So we're really excited to have you on, Martin. Thanks, uh, definitely. <clears throat> excuse me. Thanks, definitely, uh, Ryan and uh, Sam for having me on. And um, thanks uh, a lot, Martin. Pretty, pretty excited to uh, actually be the first uh, guest that you've had on. I thought um, there's more more than just me, but uh, just keep uh, them coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Might, start with, <laughs> might as well start it off with a bang, right? <laughs> <laughs> So Martin, you've done a really good job of building a social presence. I know on LinkedIn, I'm not sure about other platforms, but just a starter question. If I'm new to LinkedIn, say an SDR or even a sales leader, and I'm starting to get involved and be present on the platform, what are some actionable steps I can take in order to you know, be more present? Um, that's, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so, so LinkedIn really, when it comes to B2B, is, is really the only platform that I'm using. Um, I've dabbled a little bit with Twitter, but it's just, frankly, I don't like Twitter. I, I just don't like the whole image that it re represents. Um, uh, so I've never really gotten into that really a whole lot. Facebook, I keep uh, pretty well for personal use. Um, although I, I'm starting to explore the possibility of maybe creating my own page so um, that's something that I, I might explore further but for someone starting out on LinkedIn there's a, a few things and um, actually um, there, there's a great ebook coming out called uh, sales LinkedIn sales success stars I think it's the title I, I never get it correct but uh, Scott Ingram put together and there's some really great actionable tips in that book uh, for people to check out but a couple that really have served me well is having a, a headline that really creates differentiation um, throughout the, the community, right? Because the first thing that pops up when someone searches for you on LinkedIn, or if they come across, you know, let, let's say they're searching for SDRs, how many people pop up with the headline sales development rep or uh, SDR, something along that line. So if you're able to create something that's a little unique and cuts above the noise, that will help separate you from um, a lot of people and then also will help place you higher in the, uh, in the LinkedIn search rankings as well when someone goes to look for you. The other thing is uh, I've talked a lot about this uh, as well is to create your LinkedIn profile kind of like a mini website so you want it to be something that um, so if you're you're in sales so, someone like myself you know and that's actively prospecting for new business you want the your profile to really speak to your prospect so that when they view your profile they can understand within a, a couple of sentences okay this guy knows what he's talking about and yeah he can help us do xyz then you know they'll they'll engage with you and, and maybe connect or follow whatever the case might be but really have a, a, a profile that stands out to your prospect and then the other thing 
that really helps you out is to just dive into some of the comments on the feed and and i was talking to someone this morning about this don't just leave a you know oh that's awesome ryan or you know yeah talking about sam you can do that but expand on it why do you think that's such a great point and it's okay if you disagree if you do it respectfully yeah no that really aligns with how i've personally built my personal brand uh, just a couple things I want to recap what you said here and then kind of move on to the next topic or we can expand on this. Um, the headline, super important. When you comment on something and you're active on the platform, people see your headline and that kind of piques their curiosity, which then drives them to your profile page, which ends, which ends up being like a landing page for your personal brand. So it all kind of works together. Just like touches, sales touches, whether it be phone, email, or social, you need them to work cohesively. And it's the same strategy, I, at least I believe, on LinkedIn. Absolutely. And, and, and the other thing, sorry, Sam, the, the other thing, too, is uh, by creating that curiosity in your headline, it's a great conversation starter, right, with your prospects. So now, or, or not even a prospect, but a, a potential prospect or just a mutual connection, when I connect with someone, the first thing they start to ask me is, okay, so what's your process for outbound sales? Because in my headline, it says the outbound sales guy. You are the outbound sales guy, yeah. Yeah, so so just it it helps in creating kind of a uh, conversational start. Sam, you were gonna say something? Yeah, Martin stated something that we were discussing, um, which I really like where he's coming from. And I would love Martin to explain that one further. Martin, what were the differences that you have noticed between Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn? That's a great question. Um, I, I find LinkedIn, what's great about it is that, although the last little, little while, last maybe month or so, I'm getting a bit annoyed, but that's that's for a different conversation. But um, <laughs> I found on LinkedIn, you, you don't have all these different uh, profile, you know, useless posts and and so forth. You, like, I don't I don't know about Ryan or, or yourself, Sam, but like most of my content that shows up in the newsfeed from my connections it's all something valuable whether it's self-promotion whether it's um, driving towards a uh, educational you know webinar or um, educating on on a specific space that, that they're targeting whatever it might be there's always value whereas I find on the other platforms not quite, uh, not quite as much, unless you're perhaps targeting B two C. But I, I just find those other channels aren't the value of them there. See, I see Facebook, and I, I recently made a Twitter actually, and I'm noticing it's a lot more informal. Now, not to say that people don't show their personality on LinkedIn, but on Facebook and Twitter, I don't get that same value. It's like, oh, I experienced oh. this or something like that, and it just doesn't really expand on the topic. 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point that you make, Ryan, about not not expanding, right? Like, if if I come across a post on LinkedIn, and yeah, because there, there's a character character count, right? So if it's just a, a short post that someone's created, that's where the the comments really come um, create value because now you can start to engage within the comments. I'll be like, you know, that, that's a really interesting point that you made about this feature or this persona or whatever the case is, right? And then from there, you can start to drive in towards um, maybe sending that person a video about, hey, this is what we're noticing or, or doing. Or are you open to having a, a brief Zoom call to go further in detail what you're talking about? Yeah, completely agree. Um, I see commenting as one of the main ways that you can build your credibility on LinkedIn outside of posting stuff yourself. So commenting has been really huge for me in growing my network. There was maybe a three or four month period where I didn't post anything, but I focused on commenting, leaving like uh, 10 to 20 comments a day. And I would get uh, like five, six connection requests just because people would say, hey, that's really insightful. I want to hear more about his story. I want to hear about more of the value that he has to offer. Well, and, and going back to your point as well, Ryan, about um, each time that you, you make a comment, people are seeing your uh, your headline and it, it causes them to want to know more, right? So that they might go to your profile, send you an invite to connect or follow you or whatever the case might be. Um, but if you've just scrolled by and you maybe liked it, it just, I find, doesn't hold the same weight as, as dropping a comment. And um, also to that point, like there, there'll be a couple days where I won't post anything, but I'm still being active because I'm, I'm jumping into different conversations, adding, uh, leaving comments and adding value. So the next thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, because I know you've done a good job of this, is building your pipeline through social media. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so um, when I was with the sales developers, my previous role, I was targeting uh, leadership roles. So whether that be um, CROs, VP of sales, VP of marketing, basically anyone with the, the decision-making in um, in terms of growth for the company. And uh, a lot of those folks hang out on LinkedIn. So what I started to do was um, create a, a list of folks from LinkedIn doing uh, performing some granular searches of my uh, ideal customer profile. And then from there, I started to send out a bunch of emails and I just, I wasn't really getting a whole lot of responses and I was chewing up email credits. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's, that kind of sucks. I'm, I was getting a little dejected. And then I'm like, okay, so why don't I do this? I'll click follow, I'll send them an email and I'll send them a personalized invite. And when I started to send personalized invites, the uh, conversion skyrocketed. And then from 
as soon as they accepted the invite, I would send them either a just a short message saying, hey, thanks for connecting. Or I would shoot them over a quick video. And that would lead to, that would end up generating over, or uh, sort of driving to a uh, offline conversation about their outbound sales uh, program, outbound sales engine. So that that's really kind of the success that I was generating. And um, I, when I was doing that, I grew my network for about, I think I, when I started, I had around 2,000 connections. And uh, implementing that strategy, I went up about 4,500 connections. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. It might change. So how did you track that activity, Martin? What's that, sir? How did you track the activity that you were doing on LinkedIn to keep track of like the prospects and where you were um, with the dialogue with them, whether it be the initial message or a video? Yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's time consuming, but I would either put them in a, a spreadsheet or I would create a, a new record in within the CRM. Okay, so it's just basically an Excel spreadsheet and then you kind of inputted where the conversation was going. That, that's right, just document it. Okay, we, we connected or you know, that we had this conversation and we're scheduling time for a call this date and time. And then from there, depending on what happened on the conversation, include that. So just the same as activity as you would if you were using the phone or email. So I, I'd hate to do this, but I, I want to ask you about the current, you know, situation with the world right now. Um, yeah. What are some changes you've made during this pandemic that anyone can apply to their sales process? So first off, we find ourselves in a, a very challenging time, financially, personally, medic, um, medical wise, everything has been flipped upside down and there's a lot of anxiety out there. There's a lot of stress taking place. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out of work being let go, companies are being shut down. However, with that said, if you feel deep down inside you that you can provide value, that your product, your service, your offering can actually help right now, then pick up the phone, send an email, connect on LinkedIn, send a video and have a conversation. And that's it. You don't have to sell anything. Just have a conversation. From there, you'll find out if it's the right time to uh, create a next action from that conversation. Yeah, and definitely, I know most likely a lot of sales reps are struggling to hit quota right now. Um, and maybe they've consistently hit quota in the past. What would you say to them that could kind of help them differentiate themselves? Because I'm sure everybody's still getting the same emails, same calls, same social touches. 
what what can a like let's just say SDR what can they do to kind of break through the noise? That's a that's a great question, and I I I don't like to use these terms because I find that they're becoming buzzwords. But if you actually lead with sincerity and humility in your messaging, and, and if you like that, that can be picked up in your tone, right? More so on the phone or a video than it can through uh, email or, or through a text or uh, email on LinkedIn. But if you can convey that sincerity and that empathy to your prospect and just let them just support them let them know that you're there for them uh, you don't have to send out you know your hundred messages in your outreach or your sales loft or whatever uh, sequence tool you're using you don't have to make your 200 phone dials just slow it down a bit understand that if you were uh, attaining or exceeding quota you're probably not going to do that now so you might as well just face reality and suck it up uh, but just keep on prospecting keep doing the things that you've been doing all along that have made you successful you just you have to remember though that you may find a lot, of, a lot more resistance than normal but listen to what your prospects are telling you and then just steer the conversation accordingly. Okay. I like that. So as a, as a result of this pandemic, I guess we would call it, what, what do you think will be the result of in the future? Will we have a new normal or will things just go back to the way they were? Uh, that's a, a great question. Um, I, I think that's, I think in certain situations, we'll go back to the old ways of, of doing things. However, I think for when it comes to sales and prospecting, messaging, cadences, so forth, I think there's going to have to be a lot of restructuring. Um, and what I mean by that is that um, you know, these templated messages and cadences and, and just autopilot type activities of, of loading something in a sequence and auto dialer and all this type of stuff. Um, I don't think that's going to be the, I don't think that's going to be the same moving forward. Um, I think these, these tools will still be relevant. However, um, they won't be you won't be sending quite as uh, frequent of or uh, um, quite as high velocity of messages in making the dials because um, for for one you know just companies gonna have to get back to figuring out how to work you have all these folks that will be transitioning back from working from home to working in the office if their company doesn't stick to a work from home policy. Uh, you're going to have a lot of 
people that have transitioned to different roles, different companies, have different responsibilities. So now, you know, you may have a company that invested in, uh, you know, a Zoom Info license or Lead IQ license or something like that. They have all these contacts, then 80% of those contacts may not be validated because people have either been let go or transitioned elsewhere. So I think you're going to have to recreate a lot of processes, but you can also transition a lot of existing processes into new ones, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and building off of that, I know bad data is something you're really passionate about and trying to you know, improve people's process of making outbound calls and having the right data to make those calls. And with everybody leaving their job, I know that's gonna have a big impact. So what are your thoughts on the impact of bad data on outbound strategies? Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question because uh, as for a lot of people who follow me on, on LinkedIn, you know how uh, passionate I am about bad data. And uh, especially when you're building out your outbound strategy, we all know that if you if you start off with the wrong target, the rest of your strategy cadences, they're all just going to be shit. <laughs> to be because honest, it's a waste of time. Yeah, because a waste of time talking to the wrong people, dialing the wrong phone numbers, hitting emails that are undeliverable, etc. So, I I would strongly urge um, the the ops people leadership people you're gonna have to do a cleansing really a, a serious cleansing of your your data your crm data your marketing data your uh, um, prospecting data so all, all those um data points that you've invested in may, unfortunately they may no longer be relevant or valid so, you know, you're going to have to spend some time just really figuring out what can you use, reuse, and what has to be thrown away. Sam, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I agree, like, let's say for 85% with almost what Martin said. Um, but when it comes down to the point of the question of how things will be moving like after the pandemic like i would say the market will be somehow violent when it comes down to buying and selling because if we go if we'll go ahead and look at the current situation right now like what is happening compared to what will happen or what might happen now most of the businesses right now they i would say they laid off a lot of people a lot of employees were laid off a lot of people got fired a lot of people Right now, they're jobless. Once the market starts to to be up and running again, the recruitment process will be booming. That's the first step, because right now, businesses want to work. How would they work with no employees? Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, yeah so, I would definitely agree with that. So what will happen is, well, definitely that's, that's a bad part when it comes down to the recruitment process again, because like those businesses, they recruited 
So they spent money at the first time, resources at the first time, um, time at the first time hiring those people. Then what happened is that they got they got them fired. So they have to rehire them back again. So the point is, or what will happen, it will go back again to the market process, which is uh, the demand and the supply. Right now, the supply, like there's a huge, that's not only at the US, that's globally. The, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the demand right now, there's a shortage with the supply. Way, like there's a huge shortage with the supply. And right now, even till this moment, like the demand is high. So like, if we'll go ahead and imagine the relationship between demand and supply in the market, how it will be. Now the supply, if, if it is right now working fine, after the pandemic, it should be tripled, maybe multiplied by 10 times because you have to, you have to cover the market needs. So I'm expecting like what, what life will get back again to, to be same as it is. I mean, let, let's be honest. Some of the businesses will go ahead for the point of reducing the cost, because I would say that's the global direction right now for a testing phase when it comes down to working from home, because like working from home, like what is the impact of that one? Well, definitely for any business owner, they'd be like, oh, well, you know what? Like, I don't want to spend uh, electricity. I don't want to spend transportation. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Well, I'll get my employees to be working from home and they will function uh, with the same efficiency as if they are working at the office. That could be a direction for a lot of employees to be working from home later on. When it comes down to sales... Oh, sorry, Sam. Keep going. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to build off of that with the working from home. If that becomes the new normal, businesses are at a big advantage because they're able to hire talent from anywhere versus True. just being locked into a regional area. I 100% agree with you. What do you think, Martin? Yeah, um, uh, well, as someone that's been working from home for about two years now, I'm a, a huge champion of work from home. And, and I think that is one benefit that will transition from this current climate is that the companies that have noticed great success from their their team working from home, they'll probably stick with it. The other companies that you know that, that were kind of forced into it, they they were kind of resistant to begin with, but because of the current climate, they had to. Those folks are going to probably go back to. No, we want people locally. We want people in the office. Um, so I think there will be a, a balance there, but more so uh, companies that will be adopting or, or sticking with the work from home. Uh, another point is uh, I think you're going to see a lot of solo entrepreneurs and new oh. businesses form because of people that have been either let go, laid off, whatever the case might be mm -hmm. that just said you know what i'm sick and tired of this i've been kind of thinking of doing this on my own this is the time for me to this, this is the thing to just start me in the butt to get going right yeah so i think you're going to see a lot of uh solo entrepreneurs and startups that are created out of the the ashes more or less yeah this podcast is a result of the quarantine sam and i have been kind of losing and we thought this is a good way to give back to the sales community with the value we can provide having guests like you on, Mark.